Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. Preet is in Miami at the Pivot MIA conference. So today I'm joined by a special guest host, Barb McQuaid. Barb, as many listeners may know, served as the U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan. She is now a CAFE contributor, a law professor at the University of Michigan Law School, and a legal analyst for NBC News and MSNBC. As usual, we have plenty of news to discuss. We're learning that Trump took classified documents to Mar-a-Lago instead of giving them to the National Archives, which is required by the Presidential Records Act. In other news, Trump's longtime accounting firm, Mazars USA, has cut ties with him in response to the New York Attorney General's ongoing investigation into the Trump Organization. Barb McQuaid and I discuss all of this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. That's the perfect backdrop for us to talk about this week's news about the Presidential Records Act and this increasing news about documents being uh, sort of taken back from Mar-a-Lago, 15 boxes of documents that had to be returned from Trump to a very outraged archivist at the National Archives. What's interesting, I think, about this news right now is that apparently some of those documents are classified. And that seems to me to be a little bit next level. There was news throughout the Trump presidency that he had no respect for the Presidential Records Act, which requires that those documents be maintained. The act is really important because if if there's no way to hang on to all of the presidential records and make sure that they all become public at the appropriate time, then history is written completely by former presidents who would get to spin their administrations however they wanted to. Richard Nixon tried to do that in his library. He tried to portray Watergate as a personal attack on him, and he was forced through these document measures to provide a fuller picture to the country. So I don't even need to suggest how damaging that would be with Trump if he's the one who gets to write history. Our listeners may not know, Barb, that you have a really deep background in national security. In addition to your work as an AUSA before you became the U.S. attorney, you ran the National Security Subcommittee for the U.S. attorneys while while we were U.S. attorneys. So I've wanted to hear your thoughts on whether the knowledge that some of these documents were classified, does that turn this into more than a question about turning documents back over to the archives? Does it have maybe a criminal dimension or something serious to it now? Yes, it has a potential criminal dimension because mishandling classified information may constitute a crime depending on the intent, back to intent, of the person who mishandled it. So there is even a gross negligence level for mishandling of classified information. The worst case scenario is that your intent is to share it with a hostile foreign adversary. But at the very least, I think investigation from a criminal perspective needs to be done to figure out why those documents were there. Was it just an oversight in the hurry of packing? Did Trump himself do it? I have a hard time imagining Trump ever packing a box in his life that someone else did this for him. But there's also been reporting that he was very particular about making sure aides didn't see what was in some of those boxes. So that perspective. But I think even more urgently, 
there needs to be an investigation from a counterintelligence perspective. Even if the inclusion of those documents in the boxes was inadvertent, there is still a concern that that information has gotten into the wrong hands. This is sometimes referred to as a spill, you know, an unintentional disclosure of classified information. And the worry is that this is now shared with the world and compromises others. These were labeled, Joyce, at the top secret level. That is a very high level. You know, there's there's secret. Top secret is defined, it's a little bit circular by what the consequence would be if the contents were disclosed. So it has to be within the category of national defense information, but it means that if this document were disclosed, it would cause exceptionally grave harm to the national security of the United States. So, you know, this isn't just somebody put a rubber stamp on their lunch order. This is national defense information, the disclosure of which would be exceptionally grave to the national security of the United States. And so there needs to be some investigation done to determine, number one, have any sources been compromised? You know, that is, you know, we've got an asset in Russia who is posing as a diplomat or as a traveling salesman, and we need to get him out of harm's way because now that this information is out there in the ether, we don't know who has access to it, his life may be in danger. Or it may be that an investigation that that person was working on has now been compromised because of this disclosure. The other one is methods. Top secret designation often covers methods of collection. There are all kinds of ways the government collects information, surveillance techniques that are unknown to the public. And if those get disclosed, it compromises those things. You know, the FBI often refers to this as going dark. So if there's a particular channel of communication that they're able to monitor and now that gets compromised, it immediately goes dark. Everybody stops using it. They move to some other method of communication. And so you lose the visibility that you had into that. And then, of course, the worst case scenario is that this information was substantive. You know, the location of troops, uh, location of weapons, capabilities of our military. So any of those things would be very damaging. And I think somebody at the very least has to come in and assess the damage so that it can be mitigated. So Trump has notoriously declassified documents to serve his own purposes in the past. Do you think he could use that, you know, I'm going to say as a defense, even though it's not a criminal proceeding, but could he just say, well, I declassified these documents like he did with documents that compromised the security of Israeli operatives or put on Twitter pictures of installations in Iran? Can he do that here? You know, he can't do it retroactively because he's not the president anymore, so he no longer has that power. But I suppose if he were to say, you know what, on January 20th at 1159 a.m., instead of being at the swearing in of my successor to signal the peaceful transfer of power, I was back at the White House declassifying these documents so that I could play around with them and you know use them to have someone write my memoirs for me. So I think that is a possibility, but that does not alleviate the counterintelligence concern, which would require an assessment of where this information went, even if he irresponsibly declassified it. And even if he had the authority to do that, someone at some time did mark it top secret, took the time to get their top secret stamp out, put that in a safe, handle it carefully because they believed that the disclosure of that information would cause exceptionally grave harm to the national security of the United States. So I take your point that there has to be national security investigation no matter what in this situation. The question I've heard a lot of people asking and even folks suggesting that there could be criminal implications for this, and Preet and I talked about this last week a little bit, is that the clean case here would be if there was intent. I think we're going to spend the whole 
podcast today talking about intent. If there was intent that these documents were taken to Mar-a-Lago or some of them with the intent to obstruct a future investigation, that would be a violation of specific 18 U.S.C. 1512. I think that's the sort of thing that could get criminal attention. But intent is hard to prove. And there are other options here. There's uh, 18 U.S.C. 1924 that talks about unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents. There's 18 U.S.C. 2071 that talks about concealment, removal, mutilation of documents. Do you think either of those could fly? Do you think DOJ would prosecute the act of removing classified material by a former president? I don't. I think that, you know, the penalties are three years, which is not insubstantial, especially when talking about a foreign president. But as you know, Joyce, the principles of federal prosecution have two prongs. One is, I always refer to as the can we charge prong, and the other is the should we charge prong. I do the same thing. That's the whole theme of my first yeah, year. Yeah, I, I talk about class. it there too. But, <laughs> you know, just d- d- dumb it down for myself. That's the way I think of it. I'm sure there are more precise legal terms for that. But the can we charge prong is do we have evidence to prove each and every element beyond a reasonable doubt? And we think it's probable that we can obtain and sustain a conviction. So if you were able to find that, that would include that evidence of intent. You're not done with the inquiry. You know, you don't charge every case. This is what's known as prosecutorial discretion. You try to use the scarce resources of the Justice Department to advance substantial federal interests. And I think if you think about the downside of charging a former president during the administration of his successor, I think it does set a damaging precedent. I mean, I don't think we would want the next president to be prosecuting Joe Biden lightly. But I think that if he was intending to obstruct the work of the January 6th committee, for example, or sharing classified information with foreign adversaries, then I think that is a big enough deal that it would advance a substantial federal interest. And despite the downside of charging a former president and and appearing political, I think you'd have to charge that one. So I think the should we charge prong would be just as important here as the can we charge prong. It's obviously a very fact-specific inquiry. And I think you're right. You know, virtually every president walks out with some documents, sometimes with permission to use in their library. Sometimes folks, presidents and other people in government will walk away with some documents that they want to use to write a book. Usually it doesn't result in prosecution. It results in negotiation where the archivist tries to get the documents that he or she believes that they need back. There has been, though, a recent prosecution in this area. A woman in Hawaii was charged with removal and retention of classified materials. She was successfully prosecuted. She received a sentence of only three months of imprisonment, so a little bit less than what the statute justifies. But it's interesting to note that in that case, she's overseas, she's serving a detail overseas, and she's removing very sensitive documents that relate to um, the Indo-Pacific Command, uh, other military-sensitive documents. And that's the sort of situation where there's a prosecution. Do you think that case is helpful at all in understanding Trump and what you just explained about can we prosecute versus should we prosecute? I think it does shed some light on the should we prosecute prong, because as you say, it, it doesn't sound like somebody who accidentally you know, had a few pieces of paper in her briefcase. It sounds like somebody who deliberately removed classified information. She also had some notes relating to national defense information. And she had it lying out in plain sight at a party she hosted overseas. And so when you are in an overseas post, there is a very real risk 
that the information could be compromised. And for all the reasons we discussed earlier about compromising sources or methods or capabilities could be very damaging to the national security. So it's an important one. And, you know, when you prosecute people, a main purpose for prosecution is deterrence. And so you want to let people know that there is a cost for mishandling classified information. And so, you know, in this case, it does suggest why it's a danger and who gets prosecuted. But I think it does show that this is not a absent-minded moment. This is uh, an intentional removal and then a extremely reckless, at the very least, handling of those by hand, having them out in the open when you have guests in your home. Some people have suggested that Trump should be prosecuted under 2071 because it would prevent him from holding office in the future. Of course, the Constitution sets up the criteria for someone to hold the, the office of the presidency. What do you think about the notion that a 2071 office could prevent him from being president in the future? You know, a statute that conflicts with the Constitution is unconstitutional. So, you know, there's that other method by the 14th Amendment that bars people from holding office in the future. So, but that provision is tricky because it doesn't really explain the mechanism for making such a finding. You know, does it have to be by a, a court? Does it have to be by Congress? So I don't know that that's a, a foolproof method. In fact, I'd be skeptical that it works. What do you think? You know, I am reminded that Steve Bannon has always been explicit that his goal is to burn things down, right? To, to create chaos. And if you want to talk about chaos, you could have a 2071 prosecution and people claiming that Trump couldn't be president with an election that he, God forbid, wins. And that sort of disaster chaos scheme, I think DOJ has a legitimate interest in acting carefully here, sort of almost like doctors would to first do no harm. And part of the harm here is more chaos in our system, more damage to the rule of law. I, I think we've talked a lot about the fact that Merrick Garland's goal here is to restore the rule of law and the fact that DOJ is apolitical and people have a concern that that means that he won't hold Trump accountable. But there's a line between what you're talking about, these sorts of prosecutions made during, you know, while Trump's successor is in office that could appear to be purely political and prosecutors that are clearly merited for criminal conduct that has nothing to do with politics. That's a hard line. It's a little bit fuzzy, but I think it's important to always remember we don't want to be a banana republic where every president can look forward to being prosecuted by his opponent once he's out of office, which takes us, interestingly enough, to Hillary Clinton. Lock her up, you know, but her emails. She is trounced by Trump during the campaign for using a private server, for having a limited number of Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. That's cafe.com slash insider. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.